Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Hi, welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm Phyllis Damon, your host, and I'm here with Rubina Chaudhry, my co-host. How are you doing today, Rubina? Great, great, Phyllis. I'm so happy that uh, today we have Anapala, Anupala, I'm sorry, who um, is is uh, someone with whom you, you've been associated for quite some time, and uh, you were able to uh, get her to be on the show today and talk yes. about her experiences. I think it's so terrific that you were able to connect with her for that. Uh, so... In 1991, apparently Anu lost her vision due to a retinal detachment, and um, so as an adult, she's experienced vision loss, uh, but it's not, she's not allowed that to define her, but rather she uses it to fuel her towards meaningful work, to inspire, motivate, and empower others to maximize their potential and opportunities and work towards living a positive, positive and meaningful life. And uh, that's what we're all about on this program, empowering people, isn't it, right? Yes, very, very much so, uh, Phyllis. Uh, Anu has her own consulting service, and uh, she consults in the area of uh, many, many, many areas, program coordination, vision loss, rehabilitation, technology training, uh, project management, event coordination, and I am really truly in awe of this young lady. Uh, She just recently completed her bachelor's degree in communications at uh, Royal Roads College in Victoria, British Columbia. And uh, won, I believe it was uh, Founders Medal. Right, Anu? Congratulations and uh, welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Thank you so much, Phyllis and Rubina. It's an honor to be here with you today. Great. And uh, Phyllis, would you like to ask the question, first question or would you like me to? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, Anu, how would you describe the um, experiences you had when you first lost your vision? What was that like? Oh, well, it was extremely uh, terrifying, to be honest with you. Um, So just to give you a background, um, I actually was living with uh, vision loss in one eye up till the age of 22. Um, But but my so-called good eye, I had very, very functional vision. And so I lived a very full life. I was uh, very athletic. I went to school. I worked. You know, I was a social butterfly. I was a dancer. So I did a lot of things um, in life. Um, But when I had the retinal detachment and as a result had surgery, um, my whole world, you know, turned upside down. And I was at a loss. You know, when you acquire a disability later, well, at any time in your life, it's like we feel feelings of grief as if, you know, we've lost someone. So you go through the various stages of grief. Like, you know, you go through the initial shock and fear and sometimes anger or um, de- 
depression. There's various stages we go through um, when we when, you know, when we lose a loved one, and so the similar uh, feelings exist and stages of grief exist when you lose, when you acquire disability. So I think I probably went through all of those stages, but the initial stage was like, oh, well, now what? <laughs> like in the level right. of my life. So in a nutshell, that's what I would say. So when you um. You you were in wait did you say you were in school at the time? No, actually, I was uh, working at the time, and when I began to experience uh, the changes in my vision, I was actually in Australia, in the South Pacific. I had uh, taken some time off work and was traveling throughout the South Pacific, and so there is when I began to notice some changes in my vision. And so when I had returned from my trip. Uh, that's when it progressed, and I had to seek medical attention uh, as, like right away. And then as a result, had to have emergency surgery to try and reattach the retina. And, of course, that was not uh, successful. So, that's so what, what, I, what I'm thinking is you were able to uh, detect the fact that you, your vision was deteriorating. Sometimes people don't, uh, like you said, they're depressed or they're in denial. They don't even want to admit to those things. And sometimes it's an outside person who may detect certain things about how a person is functioning that would uh, kind of give them an idea that something's going on. Did you have anything like that? Uh, did you experience anything like that at all? Yes, actually, um, you're right about that. And even though I knew that there were changes in my vision, I knew something wasn't right. I I don't know whether I was in denial or uh, out of fear. I I didn't address that issue when I really should have, because the the truth of the matter is, I probably could have saved, could have. I'm not saying I would have, but I could have saved my vision. But I did not react uh, in, a, in a timely manner, you could say. So when I returned from my trip, some of the changes that were being noticed in my fa- uh, within my family, uh, one of the, the ones that really uh, come to mind is uh, when I was using the stove. You know that light on the panel where the fan and whatnot is? There's a light there that shines on top of the stovetop. I never used to use that. I never had the need to use that. And I began using it. And so my sister-in-law, she was the one who noticed, and she said, you know, I, I know, I'm noticing that you're using this light a lot. Is there something going on with you? And, and so that was the, one of the first uh, things that were, that were noticed. And, of course, uh, uh, at night, um, it was diffi- more difficult for me to navigate outdoors at night, whereas in the past, I never had that issue. I'm thinking also that people probably experience when you talk about at night getting up in the middle of the night in their home maybe having difficulty Mm -hmm. navigating to find the bathroom or to go get a drink of water but I'm even Mm -hmm. thinking that people who experience vision loss uh, could could uh, the observer could maybe notice that they have having difficulty finding food on their plate or figure ground kinds of problems where a person might not be able to put a glass down on the or a cup down on the table in the correct way or maybe overshoot it with the plate. Uh, can you talk about that at all? Yeah, definitely. Just be, just based on different types of eye conditions, uh, your There are different symptoms and experiences that people face. So, for example, uh, with adult macular degeneration, 
um, your, um, your 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 spatial uh, vision is impacted. Um, so sometimes you think you're putting the, the the glass down on a table, but you're really not because the table's not there yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. In terms of um, in terms of trying to find the stairs, like your depth perception. So I'm trying to say your depth perception is impacted. And mm. so finding stairs and even stepping down, you think the step is much lower, but it's really not. So the depth is what is impacted. Very interesting. So, what about with cataracts? As I, as I, as, I'm sorry? I said, what about with cataracts? Cataracts. So with cataracts, the main thing that is impacted is that um, your vision is foggy. And so it's like driving your car with a dirty windshield. And so it's not really clear. You can kind of see, but it's all kind of like faded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I believe that uh, they're, when you do, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, when they try and have people experience a condition that other people are having, uh, they rub Vaseline on people's eyeglasses to give them the idea of what it would be like to have cataracts. Is that kind of like that? That would be one way of, of uh, trying it out. And I think... Uh, uh, I think it's it's good for uh, people to to try and have that experience, so you know what to expect. Um, there are uh, vision simulators that are also available. Now, I don't know. I'm not sure whether some of the optometrists would have access to these things, but I know that. I mean, there are some optometrists who are low vision specialists, so they most likely would have these simulators. And and it's kind of cool because you can actually uh, try on these different simulators to see, to see and to, to get a feel for what a particular eye condition would would look like, feel like, you know. And so if you have a family member or a friend who is experiencing a particular type of eye condition, if you try one of those simulators, you might have a small idea as to what that person may be experiencing. Obviously, it would not be the true thing because you're not living it day to day, but at least you'd get a sense of what that might feel like for that person. That's a, that's very insightful, um, Anu. Uh, you've mentioned the names of a couple of eye conditions. Can you help mm-hmm. our listeners, uh, you know, just give an overview of... Uh, of the eye conditions and what each one refers to for a moment, please? Yeah, of course, of course. And, you know, we know that, that uh, vision loss is one of the most prevalent uh, conditions uh, in, in older adults, and so it is very important to, to start to um, learn about what some of these eye conditions are and what people might experience. So I'll just go through some of the main ones here. So glaucoma. This is one of the most leading eye conditions uh, in, in people in general. And um, what happens here is that a person will experience uh, per- a loss in peripheral vision, and so what they experience is tunnel vision. So the, the peripherals are uh, blocked, and you can only see within like small central vision, your central vision, that's only you can see. Um, as I mentioned, uh, adult uh, macular degeneration. Uh, this is one of the most uh, common eye conditions as well uh, in older adults, especially. But what we're finding now is that 
AMD, we call it, is um, found in younger people now as well, which is kind of scary. So people in their 30s and 40s are experiencing AMD, whereas that is something we saw more in, in adults over 70. Mm. And so with AMD, um, individuals will lose their central vision. And so that's a bit of a different experience than glaucoma. And then we've already talked about cataracts. Uh, and then there's diabetic retinopathy. And so that's, that is like patchy vision. So you all know what Swiss cheese looks like, right? So you have like your piece of cheese, but you have little holes in, in sort of sporadic places. And so that's what an individual will kind of experience where they can see po- they have pockets of vision, but it's not central, it's not peripheral, it's just kind of scattered here and there. That must be very disconcerting. I'm, I'm thinking about it, that. Sorry, Rubina. It, it totally would be, you know, um, because you're, you're moving your head around and you're trying to figure out, you know, where, where you can see, like, uh, whether it's, do I look to the left, do I look to the right? It can be kind of traumatic, I would think. I have not personally experienced it, but I'm sure it would be, you know, quite stressful, actually. So... Um, and then the last uh, thing to talk about here is retinitis pigmentosa. And this is uh, a genetic eye condition. And um, where people experience this uh, firsthand is by, through night vision. So their night vision is impacted first, and then the day vision slowly goes. And most people who experience or who, you know, have RP, um, will result in complete blindness. But, mm. again, it's not every single person. Like, there are some people who will have RP, and they'll lose a certain amount of vision, and then it will just stop there, and they'll just live with that level of vision for their entire life. But majority of people will lose either their complete vision or a pretty big chunk of their vision. Mm. Interesting. And I have known... Yeah friends mm-hmm. who, I have a few people I know who uh, actually, I've watched them go through the different stages of RP, so uh, I've met them when they've had very high functioning vision, and then with time, I've seen them lose their vision, and so, you know, you kind of watch them go through the different phases and whatnot, so it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Anu, you mentioned that uh, adult macular did degeneration is now happening at earlier age. Now, have you mm-hmm. read or come across literature? Why do you think that is happening? I, um, you know, I learned about this when I was working with CNIB, which is here in Canada, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And, and there, like, we were having a lot of our clients being referred to us who were younger And so that's where I sort of learned about it. And just through my colleagues, I learned about the fact that this is happening. Now, why is it happening? That I really don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of things now are impacted by our diet and, you know, with Mm -hmm. with these different kinds of, like, pesticides and chemicals in our foods. And a lot of strange things are happening that we didn't experience um, back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's a reasonable guess that it, it could be that a significant environmental uh, impact on uh, uh, on that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, definitely a good question, though. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's worth looking into a little bit uh, a little bit more. Phyllis, do you have a question for Anu? Well, I just wanted to say that um, that by the age of not really a question, but um, that yeah. by the age of sixty-five, a large number of seniors will develop irre- irreversible vision loss, and this is an important area. When we come back from our break, uh, we could talk about eye health. Uh, good eye habits, uh, mm-hmm. what what people can do to preserve their vision or to make sure that they're checking up on their vision or when they see certain signs to pursue those um, to make sure that they're not, ex- you know, that it's not normal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. decline, but it's it's not something more serious. And we've all experienced that, you know, when the light starts to, <laughs> it looks like it's getting a little darker and this the print is getting smaller and you need reading glasses. And that's great. I mean, if that's all that it is, but you want to make sure that that's all it is. Uh-huh. So we'll be back in a bit and um, we'll continue the conversation on uh, Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and we'll continue talking with Anu about vision and vision health and vision loss. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chantry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. 
Hi, welcome back. And we're here with Anu Pala, and we're talking about vision, vision health, vision loss. And uh, before the break, we were saying how we would continue the conversation talking about that vision health and habits and diet and how that all impacts our vision. So, Anu, you want to uh, talk about that a little bit, address those issues? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, like anything, um, diet and exercise plays a very huge role in our overall, overall well-being. And that is the same for vision health as well. So we all know the importance and the value of exercise, even though I've, I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna admit it here, I hate exercise. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. Uh, but I, I do it because, of course, I have to. And um, uh, once I get into it, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but um, only, you know, even a minimum of just 20 minutes a day of exercise can, can help us in so many different ways. You know, we know that it's great for um, uh, just for our cognitive, abilities and obviously for weight management and of course we know all the other benefits but the main reason um, uh, that exercise helps with eye health is because it helps the blood to flow throughout the body including our eyes and so that's why the reason um, that's why sorry the exercising is very very important Hmm. and so I never would have thought of that Mm-hmm. I know, exactly, yes, but it's true because, you know, cardio is good for your health, uh, good for your heart, sorry, and also that's what helps the blood flow, right? And, um, and then also diet. Diet is also very, very important. We know how important it is to eat our greens, right? And so the same thing is for our vision. And so dark leafy greens such as kale and spinach, those types of greens have uh, a vitamin called lutein. And lutein um, is extremely very important um, for eye health. Um, Mm. So I said like lutein, the highest amount of lutein in a green is um, in kale. And wow. Other, yeah, so other, other foods that have lutein are um, spinach, broccoli, uh, persimmons, tangerines. All these foods have um, a little bit of lutein in them, and so it's important to, uh, you know, incorporate those foods into your diet. And especially if you are experiencing a little bit of vision loss or some kind of change, um, being mindful of these these foods um, are are good because you can incorporate them into your diet and and if you've you know caught it on time, I mean perhaps it might even help in some form. Hmm. Is so there any uh, research that says that um, it can that a diet that's rich in foods that contain lutein can help your vision or stave off? Uh, a reduction in vision? Is there any research I on that? I believe there is research. I believe there is um, research um, available, yes. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. What about so other... Is, um, so, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say that it's important to at least get 10 um, milligrams of lutein in our diet per day. So how would you... How would a person determine if they're getting 10 milligrams? How would they go about figuring that out? Um, well, that's what Dr. Google is for. <laughs> so <laughs> we can figure out, 
I love Google. <laughs> and so, you know, you can try and uh, do the math and try and figure out. Like, I think now with, with Google, everything's available. So, for example, if we want to know uh, in one cup of kale how much lutein is there, you know, in one cup of kale, I'm sure Google can figure that out for us. So oh. it requires a little bit of work. Uh, to try and figure out, okay, how much lutein is in one tangerine and how much lutein is in one cup of broccoli. And I suppose if we kind of, if we're really, really mindful about ensuring that we get, you know, those 10 milligrams of lutein, we would have to do that research to try and figure out. The other option would be to speak to a dietitian because they're, they've done, they've gone to school to learn all this and so they would be definitely um, a good resource. Um, possibly mm-hmm. our doctors might be able to support with that, but probably not as much as a dietitian, I would say. And I'm sure that a lot of this information would be available online. Well, being that I, I said before the break that by the age of 65, a large number of seniors will develop irreversible vision loss, I think it would mm. behoove us, I'm over 65, <laughs> Uh, behoove us to look into uh, what foods contain lutein. <laughs> after, after we do this show, I am going to look it up. I have to tell you. <laughs> I'll help you out with that later. I'll, I'll email you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's very very true, um, true Phyllis. But uh, I think it uh, really comes down to uh, sensible eating and balance, and uh, and I think these um, all these nutrients uh, play a good part uh, in uh, yeah. supporting all aspects of our our being. Definitely, and I know you've you've shared some excellent insights with us, and. Can you share with us some of the ways that you're uh, dealing with loss of vision in terms of your day-to-day functioning? Sure, um, definitely I can. But there's one thing I did want to mention. I did want to leave it out, if you don't mind. Sure. Just something no, that I think is really important is about, um, along with um, ensuring that we get our um, exercise, daily exercise and a healthy diet, I also wanted to just really encourage your listeners to ensure that um, they get regular physical exams as well. We think of protecting our vision, we should go to the eye doctor annually or every two years, but it's also very important to ensure that we get our physical exams uh, at least annually. And because... Um, there are um, other things we need to be mindful of as well, like, for example, diabetes or um, high blood pressure, because these things can also impact our vision. And so I just mm. wanted to, you know, make sure that I get that in there. Good. Thank you. Okay. So in answer to your question, um, how do I deal with my vision loss? I mean, it's been so many years now that... Quite often, I, I function at a pretty high level. Like, I'm quite independent uh, in the sense that I, I manage my home, um, I'm married, I cook, I clean, um, I go to work, I take transit. So, I do all these things. Um, but bringing it down to a simple level, um, I think there are things like, for example, like I, I do label certain things in my home, but I'm not going to label everything, every single thing. So if there's a particular spice I'm looking for when I'm cooking, I, I do need to ask my husband um, what, that, what the particular spice is if I'm not aware of it. Um, so sometimes it's just that even though like we as people with division loss want to be as independent as possible, 
there are times where we do have to depend on others. And I think for me, that is one thing that I do find a little frustrating at times. Uh, so, for example, if it's like depending on someone for transportation or, um, I mean, there's uh, mm-hmm. certain events that I am invited to, and if my husband doesn't want to attend that, I have to find someone to go with, mm-hmm. whereas someone with vision would just get in their car and, and drive over, and they wouldn't have to deal with that. And so I think that little bit of co- I don't want to say codependency, because, but I guess in a sense it is, um, but I suppose the only thing that gives me some form of comfort is that we as humans, we all depend on each other in some way or form, and whether you have a disability or not. And so realistically, I, I try not to let this bother me too much, but you know, also trying to deal with the reality as well. I think that that's a good point. Uh, I, I guess you could say it's a, it's a level of dependence. I don't know about codependence but it's a level of dependence but I can honestly say that as I'm getting older um, mm. I'm finding that I, I, I live uh, independently I'm single mm-hmm. uh, there are times now it's different when you're in a situation probably where you need to depend on somebody but on mm-hmm. the other hand there are times that I'm finding now that I would like to be able to turn to somebody and say, gee, can you help me open this jar? Can you lift this, help me lift this box or whatever it is? Um, so you're right that we, we all need somebody at some point in time, but it is different when you, you it's not an independent decision, when it's right. kind of forced but- upon you. So I think that I, that's very different. Right, exactly. But, I mean, now with technology, it is absolutely mind-blowing like what technology can do and how it can impact um, people living with vision loss to be independent in the sense that they don't necessarily have to de- depend on their family members. So, for example, there's an app called Be My Eyes, and this app connects you to a person live with the use of your smartphone, and you can connect to a person in real time and ask them something. For example, like if I misplaced my keys somewhere, on, maybe they fell on the floor or something, I couldn't find them, I would just ask the person to help me and point the camera in the kind of in the vicinity that I think the keys are, and they would just navigate and help me find them. Or if I needed to read wow. something, I would just That's put incredible. the paper in uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I'm going to put out there, I'm going to encourage all your listeners to volunteer and become a helper on this app because it's, it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely free. And, and, you know, whether you're going to get a call or not, who knows, because there's millions of people who have, who have signed up on this app to be a volunteer. But, you know, it's absolutely amazing. So let me just ask you a question. How does that work? Are you, let's say I decided to do that. It's funny that you, you mm-hmm. said that you were encouraging people to do that because as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, that would be a cool thing to, to do to help people. Yeah. So are you, let's say, how does it work? Are you just available so, at certain hours yeah. that you say you're available or no, it could no, be any, how does it work? Yeah. Yeah, so basically, like, 
if you wanted to volunteer to become a helper, you would just go on to BeMyEyes.com and you can register to be a helper. And then say, for example, if I went on my app and I just tap the button to request assistance, it might ring on your site, on your end, and it may not. So if, if, if you were to be alerted, you know, the Be My Eye, I'm not sure how, what it looks like, uh, like visually, but it will show up that, you know, someone from Be My Eyes is calling you. You can choose whether you want to pick up that call or not. If you're hmm. not available... You can just ignore it. And then the Be My Eyes app will just scroll and just look for the next person, whoever picks it up first. And, sure. and you choose which um, time zone you're in. And, um, and then that's it, really. I mean, it's pretty simple. And then how it would work is you would pick up the call, and then our cameras would connect. And then I would just say, hi, hi my name is Anu. Um, I'm wondering if you could give me a hand. And you'll be like, okay. Sure, what can I help you with? And then if I need to read something, I would just put that item in front of the camera. And then you would just, if, if it's straight, you would just go ahead and read it. If you needed me to move it left or right, basically, you know, you would be able to help me um, read that item. And the same thing, like there was one day where I was looking for uh, something in my fridge. I think it was yogurt. And I didn't want to mix the vanilla yogurt with the, with the plain yogurt. And there are two new containers, so I just called Be My Eyes, and I asked a volunteer, can you please just tell me what kind of yogurt this is? And they said, oh, it's vanilla. So I knew that that was the one I wanted. I'm thinking as you're describing this, what a wonderful... Wonderful, not only for the the person who needs the assistance, but, Rabina, I'm thinking how many people are in their homes... And Mm -hmm. would love to be able to help someone in Mm -hmm. some way and don't even know how they would go about it or how they would get someplace to help somebody. And Mm -hmm. what a great way this could be to help people without having to get out, maneuver, get Mm -hmm. a ride someplace, drive someplace. This is really fantastic. You know, Phyllis, I agree with you. And I think that's something that we can promote among the uh, among the olive programs for uh, for those seniors to offer themselves and volunteer themselves, uh, and this would be, as you said, an easy to offer uh, opportunity, right. and, and very rewarding yeah. and very rewarding. Yes, I mean it was just we just celebrated World Kindness Day, you know, a few days ago, and we know how how valuable it is and how we feel just to give back like what it does for, you know, what, what endorphins it triggers when we do a, something kind for another person. And, and, you know, it's interesting. We talk about kindness, you know, when, when I'm out and about and somebody offers to help me, um, even though sometimes I may not need the help per se, for example, if I'm walking to the escalator, I often get a person who will come up to me and say, hey, can, you know, can I help you? And even though I know where I'm going, I will allow them to help me. Um, and I'll tell them, I don't, I'm okay, but you can walk with me or something like that. Because people, I think we need to give people those opportunities, you know, to, to do good deeds. Because it does, we know, like I know for myself how I feel when I help somebody. It's not me always being the recipient. I mean, I do a lot for other people too. And I do it because 
of how it makes me feel. And so we shouldn't be depriving people, you know, of those opportunities to, to do good deeds. I agree. Yeah. That's a that's a very good comment uh, and uh, line of conversation, Anu, because it's sometimes difficult to decide how much help you can offer, whether you should offer or shouldn't offer. So thank you very mm-hmm. much for uh, uh, for addressing that uh, that for us. And I'm just thoroughly enjoying this conversation. And and I was going <laughs> to I wanted to add, Anu, that I. It's very gracious of you because there are people who would have a tendency to say, oh, no, I'm okay. And and maybe that's an okay thing in certain circumstances, but I think it's very mm-hmm. gracious of you to recognize how, how good it makes another person feel to be able to offer that help and, and allow them to, to do that, even when you may not really 100% need it. But actually, that's a way for people to connect to peop- with people. <laughs> And that's what it's all about, making connections. So no, we're no, going to take I a short break. We're going, and not to interrupt, but we, uh, we're getting a signal here. We're going <laughs> to take a short break. And uh, when we come back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, we'll continue our conversation about vision, vision loss, vision health, and, uh, and uh, this all-important issue for, for many people, not just our senior population. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chantry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of all of Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. 
Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and we are thoroughly enjoying our conversation with Anupala of A New Vision. Anu, before we learn more about you and your services that you provide, in the break, we were all asking you the question, but what about carrots? (laughs) Please (laughs) shed some light. I know, right? It's like everyone, it's like a natural thing. We just think carrots are so good for our our eyes. Um, I mean, like I was saying to everyone, um, there's no such thing as a bad vegetable, right? All veggies are good for us. But um, in my, uh, if, if based on my research, uh, carrots are pretty high in sugar. And so um, we know that, you know, sugar is not good for our body. And I can't see it being that great for our, our, our eyes. Um, but we have to be mindful, like everything in moderation, right? But when we're talking about foods that are good to protect our vision, I would say go for the leafy greens like kale, spinach, and what we talked about earlier. So, so kale is the new carrot? <laughs> Kale is the new carrot, that, my friend. So I guess green is the new orange. <laughs> green is the new orange, right? No. Uh, green is. Got it. Okay. I know. I know. Please yes. share with us about our new vision and the services you provide, and how our listeners can uh, can reach you. And following that, we'll talk a lot about the technology and how it's applied. But I do want to make sure that our listeners know uh, what services you provide and how you can be reached. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this information with you. Um, it's interesting. I laugh every time when people ask me, what do you do? Because I have a very eclectic career path and, and um, how it's evolved into my business. Um, so the actual name of my business is A New Vision Coaching and Consulting. Um, so the, just to clarify, the A is A-N-U. So it's like a play on my name. And the website is... Uh, www.anewvision.ca. And so what I offer is a few different types of services. Um, I am a certified life coach, and so I offer life coaching to people from all walks of life and backgrounds and whatnot. I'm also a vision loss consultant. So within that realm, I do a few different things. Um, I support people who are experiencing vision loss. So a family member, for example, may come to me and say, you know, I, uh, we have a family member and we are really stuck. We have no idea how to deal with this. So I'll provide them with some support in terms of adjustment to vision loss and whatnot. Uh, I also will assist people with vision loss with regards to assistive technology. Uh, so you may be wondering, from, for me, how do I navigate using a computer? So I use a screen reader um, software, which is installed into my laptop, and that allows me to use the computer through keyboard and sound. So I teach people that how to use that particular software, which is called JAWS, like the shark, J-A-W-S. And so that's one type of technology that I will teach people with vision loss how to use. I also teach people how to use the iPhone and iPad. As I mentioned earlier about uh, technology, it's going through the roof these days. The level of uh, uh, technology that is available for people with vision loss is incredible and very exciting. And so the um, Apple um, is the first company that came out with a phone, a smartphone, that you can use uh, as a a non-sighted person can use out of the box. And that works with a 
software called VoiceOver. And through gestures and sound, uh, a person with vision loss is able to operate the iPhone uh, fully like a person really? with vision. Now, Rubina has seen me in action with my phone, and she knows how... Yeah how crazy I am with my text messages and WhatsApp and everything. And it's, it's pretty exciting because, you know, we get to be on an equal level playing field uh, uh, with our sighted peers. So it's, it's really quite neat. Um, so along with that, I also provide support to employers who are wanting to learn how to make their workplaces more inclusive and accessible. So I do various types of talks, workshops, trainings, things like that as well. Are people using, wait, can I just, oh, sorry, I just wanted to ask a quick question uh, while you were talking. Are people using, uh, or because of all this technology, is there less use for Braille, or are people using uh, Braille less than they were before? Like, for instance, I get into elevators now where there's a voice that tells you what floor uh, the elevator is is coming to or asks you what floor you want to get on. Yeah. Yeah, so with Braille, I mean, I think, let's put it this way. In in school, the teachers are still, like vision teachers are still promoting Braille, and, and I agree that it does help with uh, increasing literacy, but the reality is is that the digital world is kind of taking over. So for myself, I can read a basic level of Braille, and I wanted to learn it just because I think it's important, but... I, I don't use it in my everyday life. And if you gave me a page of Braille, I would rather <laughs> be kind of overwhelmed to read it. But I can definitely read the basics. But in answer to your question, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of phasing out, but at the same hmm. time, it is encouraged to use hmm. for literacy purposes. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so just... Just to, yeah, and just to finish off, just with regards to what I do, I also do event coordination and uh, public speaking and that, I, I don't know, like I said, it's a very eclectic background that I have, but those are the kind of key things that I do. I also have a YouTube yes. channel as well. <laughs> How can people access you on your YouTube, uh, I mean, um, do you have a YouTube URL or and do you do po- other podcasts or other broadcasts where people can access, yes. um, you know, the things you talk about in terms of vision and, and um, helping people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my brand is A New Vision, so A-N-U Vision. And so basically, like, um, my website is um, A New Vision and a YouTube. They can find me through just typing in A-N-U Vision. Um, there are links to everything, my Facebook page and YouTube on my website as well. And I will be coming out with a podcast very soon as well. It's kind of in the making. Oh, cool. You know, Phyllis, I've had the good fortune of sitting in one of Anu's uh, workshops that she gave. And, and it's amazing. Not only do we get lots of excellent information, but she is so funny. It's it's really a pleasure. <laughs> it's really a pleasure to watch watch Anu in action. It uh, it truly is. Well, I have to say, in the past, uh, how how long uh, um, has it been that uh, Anu has been conversing with us about a Voice America show and and um, giving us some helpful hints? Uh, would you say maybe about a month or so? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, 
I have to say, Anu, you're utterly delightful. I love when we speak. You have a great way about you. And um, I appreciate all the input that you've given us. So I certainly can experience somewhat of what um, Rubina has speaks about, although we've never met because you're um, British Columbia and I'm here on the That's- East Coast. <laughs> That's right. That's correct. Yes. Well, it's it's lovely working with you both, and and um, uh, you know, radio is absolutely my passion. As you know, I used to be a radio broadcaster in another life, and so I, radio is very, very dear to my heart, and so I feel very comfortable here. And so, thank you. Okay. In the in the this last part of our uh, our conversation, Anu, I have mm-hmm. uh, two questions. One uh, mm-hmm. that comes to my mind is. You know, you've had vision and then you lost vision. What mm-hmm. uh, what do you miss the most? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Mm. Great question. Um, what do I miss the most? Um, I think when when we travel, uh, my husband and I do a fair bit of traveling, and I think it's experiencing the environments that I'm in. I, I mean, I know what things look like. For example, trees and the ocean. And if someone was to say, oh, the water is like turquoise and, and the sand is pure white, I, I understand that concept. But if I'm in another country and there are certain things that I've mm. never seen before, I think, the, you know, to some level, I, I might feel a sense of, you know, uh, loss in terms of not really being able to fully understand. I can definitely mm. visualize and get a sense of what something may look like, but not fully, fully really understanding. Mm. And I think one of, uh, as I'm talking this out, I think one of the biggest, biggest things for me is being in social environments and being stuck at my seat where, you know, when I was sighted, I was able to get around. And as you can tell, I'm very social. And so I was a a social butterfly and always out and about mingling with people. And, you know, that definitely for me is not an option anymore unless I am with somebody or Mm. unless someone comes to me. But I don't have the ability to go out and just mingle, you know, like Mm -hmm. I used to. So that is probably, I would say, the biggest, biggest thing that I miss. Mm-hmm. The flip side, what do you enjoy the most? Because I know you're oh, a glass half full person. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am for sure. And I think just um, living life um, and, and connect. I think the biggest thing for me is connections. I love networking. I love connecting with people on that deeper level, learning from others, sharing uh for me, just relationships in general are very, very important to me. And I, and I just love, um, yeah, just what I said, just, just love to uh, connect with people. And uh, Phyllis, and um, I had the opportunity to attend a course, a class with, uh, with Anu. And I was so enlightening and amusing and everything when we started the conversation and she was introduced and she said to the uh, to the professor now by the way I don't have vision so 
So if you want to ask me something, say my name. Otherwise, I won't know that you're pointing at me. Oh, right. <laughs> or if somebody raises their not. hand. <laughs> hey, you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> yes, well, that sometimes makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> you remember yeah, that, sometimes right? People, sometimes people smile across uh-huh. the room. But right. and if you don't, if I don't, if a person doesn't react, they think, well, they're a snob, like <laughs> stuck up. But the reality is, like, I'm not stuck up. I just can't see you. you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, so that's why I always make a joke out of it and say, hey, if you want to get my attention, you need to like use your voice. But use that's a very interesting voice. thing you just said because it really says, of course, we're not. It it has to do with empathy and mindfulness. We're so into ourselves and how we're feeling. We're really not connecting with the next person. We're thinking about how we reacted to that or what our internal response is. And we're not thinking, gee, maybe that person didn't see me or maybe not that you're going to think that maybe they have a vision loss, but maybe they really didn't see me. We we have a tendency to just think about how we're feeling ourselves. And that has to do, as I said, with empathy and, and all of that. Uh, we, you know, I hope we, you will have a chance to speak with you again, Anu, because there were other things we wanted to bring up about phones and technology and circadian yes, rhythm. I'm looking at time myself as well. I'm like, whoa, we're just running out of time here. <laughs> right. So we'll have to have you back again because I think those are important topics that people aren't even realizing how being on their iPhones before they go to bed and these blue lights and how they affect us and our sleep patterns and um, it's it it really does affect us in more ways than people even realize. I know myself, I have to start to remember to turn off my phone about a half hour before I go to bed because I do think it's keeping me up at night. Good. Well, we look forward Definitely. to having you back again, Anu. And this is uh, Rubina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amon on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join us every Monday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. <laughs>